listening to Interverse Podcast. My name is Chance. This is Season 3, Episode 5. And this is a episode I've been holding back for a, quite a while, actually. I had this conversation over a month ago with uh, my friend Tyler, who will remain otherwise anonymous. And we talk about his uh, experiences in the Santo Daime Church, which is an ayahuasca-based um, really interesting hybrid well, spiritual organization and he has found a lot of healing and community there and has chosen to come on and share what that's been like for him and I think you guys will find it fascinating because there's not a whole lot of information on Santo Daime out there I guess uh, at least I haven't been exposed to a whole lot and it's cool to let him represent himself and what his, uh, at least his community gets up to. Sounds like some pretty crazy and cool shit. Um, plant medicines are the future of healing our culture, I think. Uh, one of the main modalities that we could utilize that we're not. And, you know, if you haven't, you haven't opened your mind to the idea of psychedelics being a potential for the expansion of the human race, then I, highly recommend you look into those potentials because whether or not they may be important for you or they may or not may or may not be your path you know you shouldn't oppose something unless you know for certain what's down that road and with uh, plant medicines and psychedelics or what people call hallucinogens there's quite a bit of potential for healing and bringing people back from fragmented states in their consciousness and so Tyler talks about that, and he talks about um, the importance of the community aspect in relation to using these sacraments, and it's pretty badass. So thanks for checking it out. Before I start the episode, I have a few other things to tell you about. If you go into the description on your podcast player and click the full description or you just go find the episode page online somewhere, like on minds.com. Then um, you'll see links to my Patreon page where you can pledge any amount of money that you choose to support this podcast, which is extremely helpful. Even in the smallest increment of a dollar, it helps immensely. Um, I'm out on the road right now, so any little bit of uh, support from people like you listening has been extremely helpful and since it's the beginning of the month pledges just went through actually so there's even some new people to uh, get shout outs so I'll actually go ahead and do the shout outs now for patreon pledgers in the month of May alright so patron shout out number one Jeff Severson 
uh, longtime patron in the $12 bracket. Thank you, buddy. Hope uh, your transitions are going smoothly lately, and I will hear from you very soon, I'm sure. Also, Beth uh, Naturno. Beth Naturno is a newer patron in the $12 bracket also. We just did an episode together, as have Jeff and I, which you can go find in the previous episode archives. And a new a new person in the $12 tier has joined us. Thank you, Blake Sewells. And I'm looking forward to speaking with you very soon as well because everyone in the $12 reward range gets the once-a-month chat, which I'm hoping we can all do together as like a group chat this month. I think it would be really cool to uh, collaborate like that. So anyway, there's only 11 people in that um, in that tier total. And I don't know who the other people are besides these three, but you know who you are if you're listening. So go ahead and go pledge, and we will get the ball rolling with some super awesome conversations once a month. Now in the $5 reward tier, shout out to Elise Myers, Chris Abert, Annie, Steven Singer, Kathy Garten, my mom, Hannah Durkee, you are a new patron, and I thank you greatly for your pledge. you got to send me a photo soon so I can do your custom portrait edit because that's part of the reward. For $5 people, you get um, you can send me a picture, and I will glitch it out and make it all trippy and cool like I do for cover art of this show. Also, thank you, Peter Merrick, for continuing your $5 pledge. And uh, that's it for the shout-outs other than in the $1 tier, we do have at least a new one member. I'm trying to find it. Sorry. Okay, so yeah, the new members in the $1 tier are Quinn Wolfert. Quinn, I don't know if I said your last name correctly, but Quinny is an awesome wire rapper, really cool dude, and I always enjoy speaking with them when I see them at music festivals. Uh, thank you so much for pledging, dude. And also, speaking of people I met at music festivals... Aaron Joseph, thank you for your pledge. Uh, really, really appreciate you, brother. We haven't spoken for a while since I met you at Rootwire, but um, you know, one dollar may seem like a small amount, but it's a huge boost to me over here. I'll be using that money to improve my equipment, which will also improve the sound quality of episodes coming up after this one. And thank you for bearing with my um, any issues that you may perceive in regards to that. Like, I'm complete self-taught novice when it comes to uh, audio stuff. So that's actually why I'm on a trip right now. I did mention that I was like kind of out of my comfort zone in terms of trying to put together an episode. It's uh, I'm out in California, which I will be here for over another week. And I will tell you more about the project I'm working on with my wife Haley later on, but suffice to say it's really cool. And um, super heart, heart opening type of story that I uh, can't wait to bring to you. So look out for that future episode. I'm sure I'll talk a lot about it. Probably have podcasts about the project actually. Anyway, um, I do want to move on to this episode with Tyler, but before I do one more reminder to check the episode links in the description because another thing you can find there is a contest, a link to a contest on Eureka.org, which is a pretty sweet social media platform a friend of mine has created, which is completely 
uh, free speech, you know, uncensored and all kinds of awesome truth-based information there that you can find quite easily because the site is really nicely laid out. It has all the features of mainstream social media with none of the big brother, creepy government freak, control freak aspects. So, you know, don't join it if you don't want, but us cool kids will be over on eureka.org. And if you join with the link in the description, you can easily enter a contest to win a box of artistic loot from me. So I highly recommend that because very few people have actually joined in this way. And if you did, you have like really good odds of winning. So get after it. Okay. So that's that. One more thing to tell you. Look up the music in this episode, Barclay Crenshaw. I've been really digging this music since I found his album a little while back. He also goes by the name Claude Von Stroke, if you like that. So um, thank you for letting me use your music in the episode. It's super cool, super trippy. I love the whole ancient aliens, future civilizations. The past is the future. You know, complete complete the circle, trippy stuff, dude. I love it. Okay. So uh, enjoy my episode with Tyler. You guys have a wonderful week. Don't forget to be nice to each other and be nice to yourself especially and also other people. Figure out how to help each other. Do favors for people without them asking. I don't know. It's cool. You'll be surprised at how it makes you feel. It's like you'll feel like fucking Superman and it's stupid, but it's okay. It's worth it. Like if you if you get a bit of uh, inflation over small favors that you do for people, it doesn't hurt anybody and they get favors done. So why not try it out? Okay. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. decided he wanted to talk a little bit about ayahuasca and that's something that I've known about you since I've known you really is that you've been involved with uh, a spiritual organization I'm not sure I would call it quite a religion yet based on what I've heard about it Mm -hmm. but I would possibly call it a spiritual organization I have some questions about it and Mm -hmm. but first you can just tell me you know what makes you want to do ayahuasca well it kind of got 
roped into this about five or six years ago and um i was going through the end of my 20s and i had uh you know problems with uh depression I was drinking a lot i was offending while he's like you know get in fights or duis why not so the consequences started mounting up and so there was a friend of mine that uh you know, I'd known from 10 years prior that was a really bad alcoholic and junkie, and he was completely clean and sober whenever I ran into him. And I, at this point, I was not. And um, he told me to uh, go to, you know, AA meetings, and he'd help sponsor me. And so, um, but, but, you know, that was fine and well for a couple months, but it kind of took a weird turn. And um, this, this guy was actually using ayahuasca to uh to help guide like these journeys that would that would help you through the the 12 steps and alcoholics anonymous which is kind of kind of crazy right not actually as crazy as you might think the the original founder of alcoholics anonymous wanted to use lsd as basically a type of religious sacrament to do the same thing yeah there was uh, a gentleman that actually wrote a book called distilled spirits Um, i think his name is don i can't remember his last name but uh, there's a good book that was that was written on that. So it goes back with uh, him and uh, I think Aldous Huxley and uh, I think it was Young. So I think they were all doing acid maybe in Canada. I don't know if you have to go back and read the source material. Can't just tell Jamie to bring it up. So, you know, <laughs> but the information's out there. But, yeah. Uh, but no, uh, you know, and, and uh, adjust your mic real quick, homie. Okay, cool. Yeah, there we go. You know, Bill Wilson never changed his sobriety date even after using LSD. Because at the time, it was viewed as a medication as being, you know, given out to psychologists and psychiatrists to use in their practice. And they said it would uh, simulate a uh, schizophrenic episode. So it would give the, the doctors the insight to treat people that might have some sort of dissociative disease. Like, you know... Uh, they said it was a psychomimetic. Yeah. It mimicked psychosis. Exactly. I don't know if that was the most uh, informed <laughs> uh, estimation of what LSD is. But then again, like other psychedelics, one of the things about it is you can't exactly say what it is. No, but there's definitely a space to be explored there, right? And so these were were pioneers that were trying to use it because, you know, one of the big hallmarks of, like, you know, achieving sobriety in in AA and also, like, you know, leading a spiritual life is, like, you have a spiritual awakening. And that's that's all it is. I mean, like, AA has a lot of baggage that goes along with it. And to be honest with you, like, as soon as I got sober – it, I, you know, I didn't really stay in AA that long, but this is, you know, what happened is kind of like where my journey started, right? So I can't, like, you know, underscore, you know, what happened and everything. I mean, I, I can't, like, you know, deny it or anything, so. Well, some people do get stuck in an AA loop. Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's the problem is that uh, I think that, you know, one of the, the topics that we'll talk about later on with, like, you know, this uh, Psychedelic Science uh, 2000 conference that I just came back from, you know, they, they were really talking about having a community, and I think AA provides that in long-term sobriety, you know, uh, is is achieved whenever you have, like, a community. You know, you have some sort of accountability. You have people watching out for you. And, and, and even more important than that, you're watching out for other people, you know, so. Yeah, it's interesting. You have – with a group, you have the ability to tell each other when you see that – like, talk to each other when you see the other one having a hard time. Uh, and you'd think – well, why doesn't that just happen in 
regular everyday life. I mean, people will bend over backwards to pretend that nothing's wrong with somebody just to get out of having the conversation of, hey, are you okay? Yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. I'm, I know this because I'm one of those people that has all kinds of crazy mental opposition to just like that basic outreach of human empathy. Yeah. So coming together with a community that all shares that intention, unless you, uh, if you, as long as you're not injecting too much group thinking and you're allowing the individual to find and heal themselves and you're just, mm-hmm. you know, creating the space to contain that type of energy yeah. and experience. Um, I don't know. I, I almost don't seem to care. I don't really care what symbol structure a group would use as their scaffolding for yeah. that. And well, I might yeah, be jumping ahead here, though. No, but, but I mean, that's but that's absolutely true, because, you know, the, the thing is that a psychedelic experience, you know, opens up your mind to, you know, um, to different ideas and helps you see things in different ways. And we were experimenting with... Uh, the idea of set and setting, you would go into these, uh, we'd go into like these, uh, these ceremonies almost, I'd use like quotation marks, you know, but you would, you would go in and you would, you would turn down all the lights, you know, and, and you would like have this appointed time and you'd go in with an intention. You wanted to think about a certain thing and you felt like it's something you could meditate on for several hours. And then we would sanctify the space, you know, we'd say like some prayers and things like that. And we would be silent. We wouldn't talk to one another. We'd put on some music you'd lay back after consuming some medicine and you know from there you would you would have your visions and a lot of times they coincided with your intentions that you had a lot of times they didn't you know a lot of times you were asking the wrong question (laughs) but you know we we call it a process of illumination and the practice i'm in right now which is sentadimi which talks about finding these things within yourself you know the answers a lot of times you go to a psychologist and they're just bouncing things off of you. They use uh, um, motivational interviewing where they'll uh, just repeat back phrases. You know, I think they even have computers that have done that where they can be like a computer therapist and all they're doing is rewording things that you already said to them and asking it, you know, saying, you know, <laughs> question. So what I'm getting to is that you already have the answers inside of yourself. A lot of times it's just you don't want to face the reality of the situation. Or you just like get stuck in a thought loop and you can't see what the problem is. Man, that's a really good point. You pretty much do always know the answer to your problems. <laughs> like I, I could say that whenever definitively that whenever there was some real big issue in my life, I typically did know the answer. But what I didn't understand was how to change my behavior. Right. And that's one thing that psychedelic experiences really do allow for. It's I mean, first of all, just disrupting you from your normal day and patterns is hard to do. Like mm-hmm. when you're when people are really stuck in particular behavior patterns, um, they will they would rather die than not smoke that cigarette at 4 p.m. whenever right. they're used to when they're driving home. Right. Like literally, they'd rather die, so they're going to keep smoking just because they have that habit of doing it as they're driving home, right? At that time. So like. With a psychedelic experience, something that can last 10, 12 hours, that disrupts just your normal day alone, not to mention how many other aspects of your regular train of consciousness. Uh, it kills get... the autopilot. Yeah. You have this autopilot in your mind that makes a lot of decisions for you. You don't have to think about how to tie your shoes. You don't think about, you know, uh, it, it, well, sometimes you do whenever you're taking a shower. Well, it's momentum-based. Like, have I washed my hair already? 
You know, you can't, you can't, you can't say what you had for breakfast this morning. You go on autopilot because it's too much to ask your brain to take in all this information all the time. And you make these shortcuts and it's been documented and you know, but sometimes you make these shortcuts whenever you have bad information or you have bad associations and then they manifest themselves and you know, depressive behavior, you know, different kinds of mental illness, abusive, abusive or addictive behavior. Yes. Abusive. You're making me think about my coffee addiction that I actually just resolved today to change because it's just like bouncing around in my head all the time. Man, you drink too much coffee, man. It makes your heartbeat really fast. And I, a hundred, 200 times if I had a day where I thought that 300 times, how many times has it really been where I was like, damn, you should really not drink so much coffee. And today I finally actually said it out loud. I'm going to do something different. I was like, Haley, if you see me drinking coffee, tell me what Chance said back in this time. This is the true Chance talking. That other guy that says he needs coffee is a liar. (laughs) Shoot him. (laughs) So anyway, uh, there it is. I made it even more public that I'm going to ditch that habit. Not that coffee itself is, uh, you know problematic but i was abusing it and it was all out of this whole mental shortcut thing that you're describing where that's just what i do in the morning that's how i get myself going yada 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 you know why it's not that bad i'm making making mental excuses like that even though i can physically feel um pain in my heart from it like that's what's really starting to make me i i had this whole spiraling thought this uh today after i made the decision that i wasn't going to use it anymore where i was like um visualizing and this wasn't like a a big fear fantasy or something i just had this strong visualization of a young me having a heart attack and i was like wow that's actually possible based on how many poor decisions i made the first 28 years of my life dietarily (laughs) with my you know just not having that good a cardio exercise habit most of my life although i'm also working on that particular thing and anyway all of that is just a long description of how many different ways you can get caught into um, momentum of something that's not yeah. good for you and you and, just and ignore you're making, it. You're making the, a first major step towards change, which is honestly a public confession of your intentions. And so <laughs> there's so much pressure on you right now to not look like a fool because you don't follow through with what you're publicly stating. I like it. It so, makes it easier, actually. Yeah. So that's that's something really that you can use for, for motivation there. I mean, that's I in the 12 it, steps, right? Yeah. Well, I think, yes, I, I believe it is. And the 12 step in this coffee. Paris, uh, I think is, is one of the big guys on that. I've heard that recently. You know, betting money or making public de- declarations for bets to lose weight and things like that. Makes total sense. Yeah, so um, – Sidetrack though, sorry. Yeah, oh, no, no, no. We were, we were talking about – okay, so I guess my, my original uh, thing was that set and setting, you have to recognize that with uh, psychedelics that there's uh, some sort of benefit that you can glean from them if you're able to make a proper container for these things. And we – me and my friend, my friend was about to die whenever he made this discovery on himself. And then he showed me how to do this and I got better. And so then there were several other people. He actually, the reason why I went to the uh, psychedelic science conference in Oakland was because he did a uh, presentation there. So, wow. Yeah. So and it was based off of the research that he'd done. Well, informal, you know, so, but it was just a, a stepping stone for maybe other people to do more formal research in the future having to do with uh, ayahuasca being used as an eruption for addiction, you know, whatever catalyzed with the 12 steps. 
So, um, but from, from there, it was just kind of like, you know, doing whatever we could to pull ourselves out of our, our situations. Cause at that time I'd lost my job, my house, my, my son, it was just a really terrible situation. And, um, it was all revolving around just drinking too much and all the consequences that came from that. So, um, and from there we made contact with, uh, people of, a a, a church that I think, uh, we mentioned before it was, uh, their name is Andrew Nyme and, you know, a lot of people don't know about this church, but uh, we drink uh, ayahuasca, which is kind of blessed in, in our doctrine. So we make it a very specific way and uh, we call it dimey. So for the rest of the podcast, instead of saying like ayahuasca, you know, usually like, you know, this this line, we call it dimey. Okay. And so just know that that's just the, the ayahuasca drink that, that we that we take. But, but it's, it's, it's something that... Uh, you know, I felt called to, and that's, and that's kind of how it is. Like, you don't go out to like, you know, trying to twist your buddy's arms. Like, Oh, we, I had this breakthrough experience. This is great. You need to come, you know, and drink ayahuasca with me or drink diamond with me. Because like, no, because, you know, people, people have to be led because it's a very difficult path. And to be honest with you, you know, it's, uh, it's to the point to where you'd almost think like, you know, <clears throat> what, why would you why would you go through these kind of ceremonies? What are you really getting out of it? It's like we, we have dance works that last, you know, upwards of 12 hours where you really do nothing besides just drinking daimi and dancing and dancing and singing songs in Portuguese, you know, the entire time instead of maybe get like, you know, a half hour break or something like that. But, you know, I mean, it doesn't sound like a good time for, you know, a lot of people. And it's, it's really not, but a lot, you know, but during these uh, ceremonies, you're able to, you know, process because the thing is that it provides, you know, a very strong container to have these experiences. Yeah. That was what, you know, we were trying to put together, you know, whenever I was, I was younger going through like these, you know, these different trials, me and my friend. And then we discovered that like, you know, this, this organization has a very good container. If you need to, have the space to sort these things out right and so. that's so important man for a lot of people their only space to even have a type of container for spiritual experiences using psychedelic medicine is honestly a music festival and uh show scene like yeah that not that that's a bad place to have your psychedelic experiences because it's not. Oh no, they can be they can be very beneficial in a lot of ways. They can be mind expanding, but whatever. But they're not about, a container the way you're describing. No, because, some of them are. There are transformational festivals that are, but even those have to keep the psychedelic aspect of it on the down low for the most part. Right, and and you know this is beyond what you'd consider just recreational use. I mean this, and, and I mean like I think at the beginning you said like you know spiritual organization. I mean like. I consider myself part of a church. I mean, yeah. it, has, it has religious roots that go back to the nineteen uh, the 1900s, like, you know, I think 19, 1920, 1930s, whenever the, the church actually began. Can I you know, point out why I make a distinction in those oh, two yeah, words? Well, I, I'm of the mind that the word religion is etymologically coming from the Latin word religare, uh-huh. which actually means to tie down or hold back. Yeah, and I think in the context of most religions of the world, that is what they do to consciousness. Right. And what you're describing is not that. Although, yeah, you might be describing a, a ceremony where you have to sing songs and dance for hours while tripping your face off on dime. <laughs> but 
that actually constitutes that there could be a very scientific reason for this methodology first of all one part of consciousness programming that keeps us trapped in boxes is language mm -hmm. so even just thinking in a different language can allow you to get an objective look at yourself as a an outsider. Well, I, I think we're talking that, about religion in two separate ways. But that's not even the, that, hold hold on. I want to say also the the dancing part is the other, the really more important thing I even wanted to get to. Mm -hmm. Dancing movement itself is a form of medicine, and whenever you have that plant consciousness with you, the way that daimi or ayahuasca is said to work, where the the mother vine of the the plant medicine actually comes in and yeah. you know communes with you basically yeah um combining that with just freedom of movement that dancing is mm -hmm. you are very likely to just naturally intuitively be able to make the type of movements that your body needs especially with that long of a time that your body needs to maintain optimal function oh, i'm yeah, a qigong practitioner yeah. so i know i do know i know a little bit not a lot but i know like the base level of how their that system of meridians works and how your energy needs to stay flowing throughout your body. So um, just having crazy chaotic dancing motion with the plant medicine for a long enough period of time, I think you're very likely to have serious health benefits from that alone to your physical body. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, and it's <clears> – there's <throat> several reasons. Because everything that you do, uh, you know, has a reason for it and, you know um, – it's uh it's good to to do with uh, the people next to you i mean like we do it in a circle and you you kind of flow with the energy of the people next to you and it kind of creates like this almost like washing machine effect like this energy gets kind of like pent up and since we're in a circle this energy gets like forced to the middle where we have like you know our elders setting we have the the cross and um anyhow it's uh very beautiful ceremonies whenever we call it like you know whenever you're really deep in the medicine we call it the force and you know it's it works differently during these dance ceremonies it's done for you know a different reason you know these are celebrations a lot of times we're singing scenarios uh you know that you know might uh you know start from the beginning of somebody's spiritual journey and go to the very end of their their life you know and just like there'll be songs that they received while they were in the force and they would write them down. There'd be melodies that go along with them, and then we we sing those and document somebody's spiritual journey. They're really beautiful. That's amazing. Yeah. That's like that person living on in the spirit of the community. Yeah, and so that's why we don't really have, uh, you know, anybody getting up and preaching to us. They're just these we sing songs together. See, that sounds so legit. And if people get hung up on the fact that this group wants to use um, Christian imagery and symbolism to represent the ideas they're talking about. Just think about this. If these are archetypical symbols, there's a million different ways to represent the same thing that you're talking about. And if cultures indigenously around the world were using um, different versions of this goddess, for example, that the Virgin Mary can stand in for or represent. Oh yeah. Uh, it, what, like, you can use those symbol structures to connect to your own life, to that that type of energy in your life, and it doesn't really have to matter what name that you give it, because what we're even talking about is it just is, it's isness. It's there's, there's a universalness to the things that we do, 
And I mean, we kind of believe that there's uh, a God or a higher power. And, and honestly, if you are an atheist and you drink dimey with us, I mean, that's fine. I mean, no one's going to tell you that you'd have to believe one thing or another. But we think after a while you're going to have some sort of connection with a divine entity on the other side, right? Seems likely. Yeah. And so, and these are different manifestations of these divine entities, like the divine feminine you're talking about with the Mother Mary and, uh, uh, you know, like Yemen Jah, you know, is, is one of like the, the or sows that are from the, you know, African pantheon. And but these are just like symbols that people use in order to convey like these, you know, these ideas of, of like, you know, the nature of God. And you can believe whatever you want to. There's people that are Jewish that, you know, have, you know, that are devout Christians, you know. So, you know, but I mean, really, if you want to go deeper into it and become a member of the church, there's like, you know, you, you probably adhere to more of a Catholic doctrine. You're OK with Jesus and that kind of thing. So, um so in this, like the organizational structure, how hierarchical is it? Is it really? It's pretty. It's pretty loose. I mean, there's uh, there's the people that uh, actually you know head up the churches, and they're usually uh, people that have come from Brazil, you know, or studied down there uh, for a significant amount of time, and uh, you know they're they're uh, ones that procure the the daimi, and this, the, the daimi is made in these things called pachios, which are you know these these ceremonies in and of themselves where, you know, you sing songs, and you're, you know, beating the vine in, in unison. And, you know, there's people in rows, you know, that are playing instruments and stuff like that the whole time. I mean, it's, it definitely is. I mean, this is all, I mean, there's like ceremony throughout all this stuff. So, um, but, uh, but they'll, they'll still be, doesn't really sound religious. Well, it's, uh, is the higher, I'm not like in the, a good the hierarchy, way. Well, then you'll have these, these people. Okay. That's not getting to that. So there'll be people that will be in charge of these churches and they'll be wherever in, in the world. So there's some in North America, there's, there's some in Mexico, a lot in South America and Brazil. Uh, there's churches in Europe and Japan. So, uh, they're just they're just all over, and uh, they're usually seated by padrinos, which are, you know, probably the the highest up level of like people in the church. And the padrinos are just people that have been around for like forty or fifty years. You know, since it's a fairly small movement, a lot of things went down in like certain communities, and they're people that are usually instrumental in these things. You know, son of you know one of the uh, previous padrinos, or uh, you know, married to one of them. Uh, a lot of times it's just like, you know, guys that are just, like just gain a following, I suppose. You know, they'll start their own church and, you know, it'll, it'll flourish and they'll, they'll actually go around to other churches, see more churches, you know, and they'll... Uh, but there are sort of a, there's a denominational aspect too, though. So how um, does that, is that just in the eyes of the law? Or like, do the groups actually kind of have beef with each other because someone thinks something that they don't think? Yeah, you know, a lot of it has to do with uh, whenever different leaders pass away and then you'll have, uh, you know, one sect of people want to go with this charismatic person. So what do the leaders even do? They don't do uh, really much besides just lead these communities because all the communities came from the outskirts of Brazil. I mean, it's just like in the so. It's just by there. lead, you mean just organize the fact that they get together and do this people. shit. Yeah. So there's not really any compartmentalized decision making. Not, not really. No, I mean, like at a certain point, you have to uh, keep track of the money coming in from your congregation, and like you have to, you know, 
divert resources or X, Y, Z. So you have to make yourself like a, a religious quote unquote organization in the eyes of the law. You have to, uh, you know, go down and put out that paperwork. So there's, and, and there's different criteria that make some uh, Sandu Daimi churches in North America legal and some are not. So are some of them actually employed by the church and through the funding of the other members? Uh, I mean, like it's all on a donation basis, right. just like any other church operates. Um, so like you have someone that's away. maybe uh, like, is there anyone that's their job to actively like outreach to new people or oh, no, organize? No. no, so it's really just so there's really not a lot of uh, hardcore group organization going on so much as well. And that's, the that's ceremony aspect is that, pretty that even what I'm doing right here, we're just like talking about it, like in an interview is like. You know, not too many people do this. You know? And that's actually why there's a pretty serious conception about the organization that they're just like a cult of polo wearing dancing weirdos. Yeah, and, there's, there's that. But yeah. I've I've known you for a long time and know that you're involved with this, and I I don't think that there's anything wrong with being a with wearing a polo or being a weirdo as long as <laughs> um I don't know. It doesn't sound like there's really any ideology that's being forced upon anybody. So uh, no, it sounds I mean, cool. I mean, most of it is meditation. I mean, we have these things like the, the mainstay uh, uh, church service is something called a concentration. And you sing about, uh, you know, 15, you know, 25 songs after you do a couple of Hail Marys and Our Fathers, you know, so that's like kind of the Catholic part. And, you know, you'll consecrate the space. You'll say like a certain prayer and you'll just sit and meditate. You know, you'll drink, you'll drink the daimi and then you'll sit and meditate for, you know, an hour or so. And, you know, you'll have your experience and we'll start singing again. You know, the singing kind of helps in the space to help you progress through your, your journeys. Yeah. And, uh, kind of keeps you rooted in reality. And so that's, that's really important. And there's, and there's definitely people that are there to, you know, watch over the, the situation. I mean, there's people appointed in the church to, you know, help out anybody that might be having a difficult time and having been making these things, you know, you got to always consider how many people are experienced, how many newcomers you have and balance out like what a safe number would be. And, and all this is a study that's, that's not taken lightly at all. That's I mean, cool. It's, it's very, it's very in that in that sense it's, it's actually pretty militant when it comes down to the protection of people within the church. So you can't just go lay down for five minutes without telling somebody, for instance. Yeah. You know, I mean, like that's huge no-no. So you can call that. So, but not like you can't do what you want. Sense, but it's just they want to know that you're okay. If you're responsible for watching over other people and you go and lay down. Oh, oh, well, if you're responsible, yeah, yeah. But then no, you've agreed. You come and you go lay down. I mean, that no other people are responsible for you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So here's a question I have for you. Yeah. Would you, if there was uh, the availability of a similar type of space with a similar kind of in intention, right. but with uh but with no symbols structure of mm -hmm. either Catholicism or any other religion. Right. Do you think that would be less effective or do you, and also my, it's a two part question. Right. Would you go to a different group if they use different symbols or no symbols or do you personally like to identify with and personally do find connection to the Catholic symbols? Put a pin in that real quick. I'm going to use the bathroom. Okay, we're going to the bathroom. That was a big question. Too much for yeah, needing to pee. Second.
Okay, we're back. So your your question was, am I tied to the Catholic symbolism in the church uh, over maybe having nothing? Like, for instance, like in a shamanic ceremony, is that what you're kind of saying? Yeah, well, that and regardless of your answer, do you think that it would be less effective or more effective to be symbol-free? It's... Because the, the church actually actively tries to cover up a lot of symbols, like every kind of symbol possible. That's why they have the uniforms, right? We didn't even explain that. Oh, right. Yeah. Whenever you're making the uh, Salau, like, you know, uh, a church uh, uh, area, you, you cover up all the paintings and pictures and whatnot. Whenever you're in the forest, you don't want to be staring at a picture of, of some guy's family, for instance. I mean, there's a lot of attention that's paid to putting out lots of freshly cut flowers, for instance, in different places of the of the room and having altars that are, you know, devoted towards, you know, maybe the angel Gabriel, maybe the Virgin Mary over here, and they'll be in different places. You don't want to see somebody's Budweiser t-shirt then while you're tripping. No, not, not in the force. Sorry. I like that better than tripping anyway. Yeah. In the force. That's a way better term. Yeah. So, and, and obviously, like I said, this is, this is done like, you know, in a very, you know, spiritual context. And, and these are not very easy situations that we put ourselves into. That's what we call works. Like, you know, they're not like church services, we call works and they're, they're very difficult. You know, there's lots of purging involved, lots of throwing up and, you know, from both ends. Yeah. You know, uh, and, you know, like, I, like I've told you before, a lot of very bad visions and bad experiences that, you know, you have to deal with. But a lot of times they're showing you things that you're trying to repress, you know, and they, this is a process of illumination we talk about where, you know, the, the uh, daimi is, you know, showing a light on something inside of you that you need to fix, you need to pay attention to, you know, that could be your physical health, it could be something in your mental health, it could be a relationship. You know, a lot of times these things are just like brought forward and sometimes it's very pleasant. I mean, I've had, you know, some of my favorite experiences is during some of our uh, festival, you know, have uh, different uh, ceremonies for different reasons. And some of them are, you know, more joyous and celebratory than others. And yeah, you know, it's like, uh, you know, you're singing, you're singing these songs with, uh, with everybody else. You know, there's usually guitar, several guitars, drums, maybe. And uh, I don't know. It's just like, I think what praise and worship should be. If you think of the idea of like maybe a uh, Southern Baptist black church, yeah, you know, just like everybody's like really getting into it. Everyone knows the song, knows the you know, knows the little parts of the song to like, you know, flesh it out. You know, everyone's participating in some way and everyone's really getting into it. And that's kind of what these what these situations are like. And that's what, you know, it's really fun to, you know, praise God in, in that way. You know, I know it's like, ooh, he's God, praise God. It's like, but that's really what we're doing. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's beautiful to let loose like that with, with everybody else. And that's why we even have churches in the first place. I believe to have this communal experience and and I think that this is something that has gotten lost over the years, honestly. I think that I mean this is not, you know, ayahuasca and diamond didn't come from nowhere. It came from the indigenous practices of the people in South America. You know, they've been using this for religious ceremonies for, you know, hundreds of years and our doctrine directly comes from a gentleman that was able to bring it out of the indigenous, you know, usage into Western civilization it was like you know a mission given to him from the astral you know 
So, and how these things happen, you can say it's just like intuition, God gave them the information or whatever. I mean, you can believe how you want to, but it's in these sacred spaces that we make whenever we drink. Oh, I, ayahuasca itself or naime is a miracle that people even know how to make it. Yeah, the millions of plants in the in the forest, they put two together. And the, the way it works is that there's a MAOI in the vine that uh, deactivates a enzyme that breaks down DMT when it taken orally. And so... Dimethyltryptamine. The, yeah, exactly. So there is a leaf that has the light. You know, that's what we call the, the DMT. And so the leaf is what you put into the... Uh, the uh, dimey, which uh, produces the, you know, the DMT, and so whenever you drink it, uh, the the vine allows the leaf to be absorbed, and then uh, you know usually the experience uh, comes on at about uh, 30, 45 minutes. You know you'll start feeling the force, and it usually subsides within two hours. So I I guess I may not have brought up DMT on the podcast directly before, but just in case somebody out there isn't really aware what that is, dimethyltryptamine is thought to be produced in the brain and in the gut of human beings and from uh and almost any living thing on that's Earth true contains some trace amounts of dmt lots of plants do you know acacia one of the um uh, woods and plants that's mentioned all over the bible yeah. has a very high concentration of dmt oh, I, coincidence no, I yeah so there's a story of moses uh encountering the burning bush which is an acacia bush and all of a sudden, he talks to God. What yeah, was the Ark of the Covenant made of acacia? And in uh, Freemasonry, they use the symbol of the acacia branch all over the place. Right. Uh, it's a. It's symbolized as like, actually, it seems like they're they're trying to suggest that dimethyltryptamine is sort of the one last hope to wake up from spiritual death, right. and. That's why many people have become missionaries from the jungles of South America trying to bring it out into the West. So this is all conspiracy theory though, right? <laughs> <laughs> conspiracy theory. But, but, I, but I like to believe that there's a connection there. You know, but I, I definitely do think that you can meditate for... I think that plants have consciousness and the, uh, the ayahuasca itself is a form is a is basically the goddess that incarnate okay so if like a, a spiritual being incarnates into a life right like mm -hmm. we do as humans right um a higher degree of being would need a bigger larger container to manifest itself and so like this goddess that we could call mary or could call any call any number of things i personally right. really like the uh symbol of isis yeah that could be an incarnation not, not the, the terrorist organization. The, well, <laughs> the don't look, God. if you want to get down that road, I, I can explain <laughs> why they call it ISIS and how that's just trying to – that is in itself an attack on this goddess that I'm talking about. But yeah. I, I'm thinking she could be incarnated as the plant uh, medicine mm -hmm. itself. Like right. that is a – the, because that's a much bigger container for a much more infinite spirit than like a small human container for a regular human soul. Right. And anyway, I mean, a lot of people, many, many people, and I've never done ayahuasca, by the way, so mm -hmm. this isn't speaking from experience, but I've heard so many stories about the 
the God is coming through directly to people in a sense. Yeah, I mean, you can have a comforting sensation that feels like uh, the same feeling as being comforted by your mother is how people describe it. Exactly. And, and, and that's, that's kind of the symbolism that you that, that you use with like the Mother Mary and like you and Jaws, like, you know, that comforting feeling that you get in the relationships you have with your mom. It's kind of universal because everyone's got a mom, right? You know, and, you know, then there's also the paternal side, which is, you know, more like Jesus and, you know, Archangel, Archangel Gabriel, you know, these different symbols of like masculinity and strength. And that's like, you know, more masculine, fatherly. You know, so there's, they're just, you know, all, you know, in all breaths. And, and, and like I said, everyone's fairly tolerant to everyone's religious beliefs. So there are people that are Jewish and, you know, like I said, believe in, you know, hardcore Christianity, Buddhist, whatever. And it's, it's fine. You know, it's like everyone's cool. So I just come and sing the songs and drink the daimi and have your experience. And, you know, it's, it's a very, you, very cool community. I think it's worth it to point out that with consciousness expanding uh, catalyst, mm-hmm. you can't, in my experience, you don't really go anywhere that you don't have the mental scaffolding to go. Mm-hmm. And so, by providing a symbol structure to people who otherwise wouldn't have one, even if it's one that has a tainted history like Christianity, right. if all you're doing is embracing the positive symbols of that uh, without enforcing any kind of human-based dogma and you're just giving them essentially a mental scaffolding to climb up as they have a spiritual expansion right that that's super important i think um one it's dangerous to just reject things completely out of hand and a lot of people honestly would just reject what you're talking about if they looked at it from a superficial light because oh there's there's a painting of archangel gabriel i don't want to have anything to do with them but again like that's why when people get into like a new age based spiritual awakening whatever that is that they're getting into while they're having the spiritual awakening, they get really attached to it and think that that's real. And that's all that's real sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's just cause like it's the scaffolding they use to climb. It's right. what we are even talking about is an infinite light that comes through as whatever holographic representation of experience that the, you know, the mirror that's receiving it wants to program itself in a way to reflect out yeah. <laughs> you know and we are those mirrors I, I would say yeah and that's not saying i'm also not saying that we are god that's not i'm saying that we reflect the light of that source and can see it in any infinite configuration of ways because it is elf contains all mm-hmm. things is the all and, and that's why we we find that it's really important to do these things in the communal context and you know, like I was saying earlier, one of the main takeaways that I got from the psychedelic conference in, in Oakland was the, the importance of having a community around these things so we can reinforce positive behaviors, positive thoughts, and, you know, bring bring this into an understanding in the popular culture that these really are medicines and not, you know, the Nixonian, you know, drugs, war on drugs. You know, how, I mean, if, if you can't fathom why you have marijuana and psilocybin and LSD as Schedule 1, you know, and they're drugs and not even, you know, accounted for as being medicine, like cocaine is medicine, <laughs> you know, and, and Oxycontin is medicine, 
No, I mean, give me a break. So I, I, I definitely think that we need to make a shift in the language that we use. I think that that's very important. Whenever I talk about these things in, in a spiritual context, I mean, I'm, I'm very serious about it because this is the respect that you have to give these, these medicines, you know, whenever they're used in, in these ways and to say that they're, you know, drugs, I think is, is ludicrous. And I mean, at, at the very least they're medicines and, you know, in our practice, it's a sacrament, you know? So, so think, think about, think about how deep that goes, that God is in the, is in the, the dimey, you know? I mean, or like, goddess is in there. Yeah. I mean, God is in everything, right? The yeah. all, the all is, the all is in each, right? but each is in within the all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's a way of thinking about it. Like, um, just because you have the light of your creator inside you doesn't make you the creator of everything, but it does. I don't want to get delusional here, but you can still, you know, um, there's a very um, easy way and consistent, reliable way to step, you know, past the veil into the astral and, and meet with God and these celestial beings, and that's by drinking daimi or ayahuasca in different situations you but know. but okay so back to the other forms of medicine that you described the mm-hmm. what you would say were more conventional western medicines medicines i think to go back to my idea about um the spirit of the goddess being able to incarnate in the medicine of right. daimi or ayahuasca i think there's straight up demons out there and their names are um Paxil and Percocet and Oxycontin. And if you think about it, it's like those names always have Zs and Xs and sound like they could be a demon if you just took it out of context of being a, a yeah. antidepressant or whatever. Yeah. Xanax. Sounds, sounds like a word. Wow, I summon thee, the demon yeah. Xanax, to control mankind. Like it's, it's fucked up. <laughs> I, yeah. And I, I really do want to see a shift in language in our culture or our society. I don't even like the word culture. I changed to society, our society to, uh, to just get, just, let's just get rid of the word drugs. We don't need it. And we'll just call things that are medicines. We'll call them plant medicines. Well, one and, of the most important things that was brought up with maps in, uh, Oakland is the treatment of PTSD of soldiers with MDMA. And if anything that I would consider, even myself consider a quote-unquote drug that you'd use on the street, I would consider like ecstasy, MDMA. But this is the thing that they're finding, you know, huge success uh, in treating soldiers with PTSD and helping them move past their trauma and, you know, leading productive, healthy lives. You know, and this is really important. They're in phase three and they're getting ready to you know, start the very finalization that, you know, that they need in order to start using MDMA in these specialized clinics with these therapists that are trained to, to you know, do these, these different, different uh, therapeutic modalities. There are so many of those people that are at their last rope right now, even as we're having this conversation. I mean, so many suicides come from... Oh, there's, there's uh, several people, maybe a dozen soldiers that die a day uh, from suicide somewhere around there. I mean, it's, it's it's off the charts. I mean, it's just more than it should be, right? Yeah, it's it's really the ultimate um, way of annihilating a person that the controllers have is to put you into self-destruct. S- seriously, though, I mean, what kind of karmic repercussions come from a life like that where you follow orders and uh maybe even kill people just based on the Someone fact that telling you to 
Yeah, I mean, like first of all, to even be a soldier, you're ha- you're so unable to connect to what you truly want and what you think is right to do in the world. Did that you give it up to somebody else? That you're just like, all right, just tell me what's right. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't care if that's offensive. Like that's what it is, and yeah. that doesn't mean I don't have pity and want. Well, I I don't want them to be stuck in that suffering loop. But I mean. The longer you sit there, identify with I'm a soldier and what I did had to be done. The lo- that's how long you're going to be karmically en- enjoying that suffering that you Chance, created. You sound like a hippie. <laughs> you sound like like a filthy, filthy hippie. Well, I mean, it's not. There's right and wrong, right? <laughs> you know, that's all I'm saying is there's right and wrong. Yeah. No, and, no I, I, I'm behind you. Yeah. Well, that was a, a fun little rant against soldiery but but right. what you're saying is really important because well these, um, these are people they get I'm, stuck in that loop of self and, of trauma and you can yeah. get out of these loops with and, and to be, with and to be medicine. fair i mean there's a lot of people that you know are pushed into being a soldier for whatever reason they're they're bad off in a bad situation maybe you know in their communities and, and being in the military is like they're they're out you know, there's a lot of people that use it to pay for school for, you know, good reasons and stuff like that. But but regardless, I mean, sometimes, yeah, you can get put in these bad situations where you can, you know, get PTSD and, you know, turn these people into addicts and just manic depressives and unable to really, you know, function in society and cause a lot of really, you know, bad problems. And so being able to find a way to treat this effectively is, is a huge deal. You know, and it's, it's kind of weird that, kind of weird just how the reason why a lot of psychedelic drugs were outlawed in the first place was because it was targeting a anti-war movement in the 60s. Same reason that they killed Martin Luther King. Well, I mean, specifically the psychedelic drugs were were put on the, you know, Schedule 1 because they wanted to target certain certain class of people, specifically the anti-war movement. And now we have people that are you know, from that movement that are now research scientists that are walking into the Pentagon and offering this psychoactive drug that can help their soldiers, you know, lead a better life. And just think, think about just like the poetry in, in that. Isn't that kind of crazy? This is what this is what I think. Because for those soldiers, the war never did end. I mean, that is actually ending the war at least for that one person because they're like trapped in a loop of trauma experience but but legitimately if the if the uh, va can see that there's you know uh, real help coming to the soldiers through this modality then then they embrace it and they have been i hope so i mean they're still an establishment institution well and and that's and that's really what we're doing instead of trying to be anti-establishment this time we're trying to come to uh, uh, the terms of all this with with the establishment. And I'm anti-establishment, bro. <laughs> I, I I know, and I, I know. But no, it's a stepwise progression. In the '60s, and, and and really, we at the very core of all this stuff, I would never use uh, psychedelics again recreationally if that meant that we could start using these drugs in a therapeutic sense for people that really do need help. And you know, uh, there's uh, quite a few studies that it would saw. be worth it. 
because we would it would be worth it because we would that would just lead to the freedom model inevitably right so it's a stepping stone and it would be totally worth it yeah but i mean instead of masking these these uh, problems that we have you know we have anxiety and depression and then we take these drugs to alleviate depression you know at the root cause a lot of times there's things you have to deal with that, that are the core of who you are and you need to rearrange things you need to examine little pieces of yourself and you know shake it and ask if this is working correctly you know a, a lot of things you know we kind of encode wrong and we put them into our memory and then we have bad reactions where, where it's to certain people or certain things and you know being able to revisit that you know and some of those things are really hard to be able to revisit like mm-hmm. uh for um like how many people got circumcised right when they were born first thing how many people actually remember that happening and how likely is it that that was a hugely traumatic experience to your consciousness i don't know can ayahuasca dime can take you back to moments even like that right can fix I, all i have not uh, personally revisited my circumcision experience but you've uh, gone back far into memories right that you don't normally access is that um, not true i've experienced other uh consciousness inside my own head i think is is what as probably as deep as i've gone there's there's other people that uh have uh, probably gotten deeper because i mean i've only drank like maybe about 30 or 40 times which it sounds like a lot but that's really not. Yeah, but the maestros think thousands of times. Oh yeah, thousands, thousands of times. Because uh, you know, if you want to keep the calendar like the like the church calendar uh, for the Santo Daimi, I, mean, I think it averages out to about three times a month you're drinking Daimi. So in these in these uh, ceremonies. Yeah, and you have to move a lot of furniture in the attic before. You can uh, well, you know, in, in the bigger spaces, the bigger churches, there's actually a no. I mean, like your your mental attic. Oh, your mental attic. No, you you, you before you before you're gonna have like new, these crazy deep experiences, you have to take care of the chores first. You know, you learn to manage. So usually, what happens is the biggest things that cause the biggest impact, negative impact in your life, for instance, or the things that be the easiest to make a positive impact. Like those big, those big things are easier that are, that are the easiest to enact will come first. Like the things that have like a big return on investment, I guess you would say. So for me, it was like, don't drink anymore. And then yeah. I, and then like I stopped drinking. And it's like, that's not a very big thing but for an alcoholic. It's a huge thing. It's everything. Right. Well, for your physical health, it's a pretty big, yeah, pretty like, big this thing. Is for my physical, mental health. I mean, there's a lot of things going on here, and if I just stopped drinking, it would make like everything infinitely better. And like, I just chose to keep on drinking because it's like had to do with depression and whatnot. And you know, like this just showed me it's like, hey, if you just stop this, then everything will get better. And it did. It just <laughs> stopped. But that's like, but like I said, that's huge because you know, people will drink themselves to death and never have that realization. Well, because they can't say the three words, I was wrong. Well, whatever the mental block is, this shows you what that mental block is. And for me, it was just like the, you know, the, the idea of like not fighting it anymore. And, and so regardless, this is, you know, that was for me something that had like a big return on investment as far as like what it showed me. And then as I've gone through my progression with the medicine, it becomes a finer and finer thing that you work with where you start unveiling different parts of yourself during the ceremonies. Um, for me, there was really nothing major for about six months. And then all of a sudden I had a realization about some negative manifestations of my personality that came from 
you know, several different sources, but it was all the same thing that had these negative manifestations. And I was able to identify it and get rid of it out of my personality. And it's really changed like who I am and how I interact with the world. And I was able to shine a light on that, identify and get rid of it. And now, and some people put it in spiritual terms. They'll say that they're possessed. This is the evil spirit. And it's the same kind of thing that they use like in the Catholic church. We're talking about maybe mental illness. For me, it was learned behavior that caused me to react in different situations, maybe in a way that's not healthy for that relationship. And so being able to identify that, it's like, oh, this is, ah, oh, this is where this comes from. And then get rid of that and then know where the source is and know that you don't need to cultivate that relationship maybe, or be on the guard for it whenever you are around that person that you don't get that vibration again and fall into old habits, you know? Yeah, man, I can tell you, uh, I've seen a clear positive evolution in both just like your auric health and your ability to channel your own self in a conversation and yeah. and your physical health, your vitality, all of that. Oh, um, thank you. Every, every aspect of you since I saw you last, which I guess was, I'm not exactly sure, a year and a half at least though. Yeah, it was maybe um, longer than that, two years ago because I was still a manager of a local store. You're just stronger was, than ever is what I'm saying. Like yeah. it's clearly, what you're doing is clearly working for you in uh, every facet, all three thank of uh, mind, body, spirit, I would say. Yeah, thank you. Well, I think as long as you get things tackled in your mind and you get some mental hygiene, eventually your body will follow. Yeah. You know? And to be quite honest with you, you can't have like, uh, you know, pork tacos the morning before you drink ayahuasca. There's like a specific diet, you know, you're going to be very ill. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. You well, got to take care of yourself. Well, that's just more evidence that that type of a diet is really poisonous. It is, yeah. I uh, have had n nothing but improvement to my mental, spiritual, physical health since I took meat out of my diet, actually. Mm. I've talked about it on the show plenty. Yeah. But you're taking in the vibration of fear when you're eating most sources of meat. Mm -hmm. And like directly because of the way that it was harvested. Right. And, you know, there are some less karmic, heavy ways of eating meat for sure. But... Uh, for me, it was just like once I once I stopped identifying with the fact that I thought I needed it, mm -hmm. definitely don't need it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one fear that I have because I have this yeah like like I never full unless I have protein in my belly and then like all of a sudden like I have satiety, you know, that feeling of being full, like I could eat you know, 50 pound bag of lettuce and not feel full. It's a, that's probably a mental thing, right? Well, you just need more beans <laughs> <laughs> or just like eat, just eat a jar of peanut butter until you can't eat anymore or something I, like that. I, I do. Like no, uh, um, I understand that. Uh, I had that for a little while when I first was making the switch, but I think that it was really more for me anyway, a, it was a, a thought in my head that was making that end up be the, being the case. Mm. Like that feeling of satisfied or not satisfied that I would associate with having had me. That was a mental construct. It was a mental construct. It was like I drew a box and I wasn't satisfied unless I put a check into it. Yeah. But I could just erase the box. 
That's what I'm talking about with like, you know, being able to change your perspective, take things about yourself. That's why I haven't done psychedelics for a while because I've, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I've been able to make steady improvements in my life without having to go there. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like they're calling me. The aliens are giving me a call. Yeah. <laughs> Certain recent circumstances that you are aware of that I, we won't share. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I'll, I'll say that there's no reason to do these kind of things if you can't have proper integration because right now... That's why I don't do it. Yeah, the reason why we use these things is as a catalyst to do better for ourselves in our lives, you know, and, and really bring that back to the, the community and being like, you know good tax-paying citizens. I mean, really, that's what we're all about. I'm not about being a tax-paying citizen, well, but we, yeah, I mean, we, that's we, a different we, conversation. Yeah, we, we, are to that, we are to that degree because we're, you know, looking to uh, to really just be just model citizens. I mean, we don't want to cause any ruckus or anything like that. It's just, you know. Well, not at least from, yeah, not from the church side of things, but like mm-hmm. what, what if you had a desire to become uh, an anarchist writer? And would the church frown on you for that? Um, they'll let you do whatever you want to. Okay. Yeah. Just don't drag their name into it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of times that, you know, like I said, they don't want to uh, put out their, their name or, you know, talk about things unless it's in an academic sense. There's, I haven't really found too many people that have talked candidly about their experience with the dime. And it's kind of a fine line to draw because, once again, I'm not saying this in, in some sort of, you know, recruitment way because we make it very clear that you are called to this and that, you know, you're the only person to make a decision whether you want to do this like in a religious context. Beautiful. Yeah. So it's, it's not something that's made lightly. And, uh, boy, I missed, I missed a big step, you know, going to, you know, I guess not, not a whole lot. Yeah. So we, we, we were discussed like, you know, us uh, deciding that we, we found another organization with the Santo Daimi. Yeah, I mean, you didn't go in depth into how you discovered or anything, but yeah, only if you feel that it's necessary. I guess, yeah, I, I guess the most of the people that I talk to know of it from a friend in the organization, and they just have a conversation with them one on one. Someone will reveal it's like, oh yeah, why? You know, I drink Santo Daimi, and the, then the other person will usually have to ask. No one's inviting people to church. You know, it's not because we don't like new people. We love new people. It's that you have to be serious enough to want to do it that you ask about it. Yeah. So that, and that's why, you know, there's that fine line between, you know, wanting to put out any information about like how great we are, how much I enjoy them. Because I really do enjoy my experience with them, but uh, we never, we, we never prophetize, you know, and try to draw attention to ourselves because we just want to be, you know, like I said, quite law abiding citizens because this, method that we use for you know our spirituality is very important to us you just don't want to jeopardize that and our society is so litigious that you could easily um cross the wrong person with too much money and then all of a sudden you're in this huge battle legal battle when you've already had to have a legal battle just to be allowed to have the church in the first place and unfortunately we've organized ourselves you know there was a court case um on the west coast a number of years ago where a gentleman was uh, uh had his dime taken away from him by a SWAT team the dea and he's heroes they are well and, and he's still get <laughs> it back because at the time you know he was in possession of what would be considered a controlled substance but he sued to to get his dime back 
and uh, he we did he then went before a judge and the judge ruled that it was a you know religious freedom and that he wasn't you know I mean very tight controls I mean people I mean, there, there's there's accountants that, that keep track of how much you know is used during ceremonies and and whatnot and so there's a very tight controlling and, and we fill out this paperwork for the DEA and they can come in and audit us whenever we want to over over in the the district on the west coast and I think it involves maybe Oregon Washington and California. And those are the only places that uh, a certain branch of the Santa is is legal currently. And, and right now, the UDV has uh, took their case all the way to the Supreme Court. And the UDV is another branch of uh, you know ayahuasca drinking, religious, um, and it's, it's also Christian. Yeah, I got yeah. mixed up. I, I got your group mixed up with UDV before. The UDV, yeah, uh, the Santo Dime. Don't they wear sh- polo shirts too? We we all wear white. You know? <laughs> I mean, like, like I said. Look, and and usually white and green. So oh, green's uh, perfect. That's the color of the heart. Yeah, that's the heart chakra color. Well, Balance it's, color. It's just from Brazil, so it's the color of the forest. You know, it's it, because you these things come from deep within the jungle, where it's like you know you're in the middle of hundred foot trees. And so, uh, but the UDV has uh, exemption throughout the United States. Um, they took their case only to Supreme Court, but I think there was only a um, appeals court that we uh, were able to to take it up to. I think it was maybe the ninth courts of appeal, something like that, maybe thirteenth. Anyhow, I, I don't quote me on all this stuff, but uh, we didn't make it all the way to the Supreme Court. So uh, just stopping there allowed it to be used. Uh, um, you know, in several churches on the West Coast, they can they can use dying legally, but but other places in the United States, it's not it's not so legal. But you know, the 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 whole idea is that you don't want to um, do anything to jeopardize your community. In fact, you want to contribute to your community, but you're not uh, you know flaunting the fact that you're drinking ayahuasca. Some people might take you know um, take that the wrong way. You know, so you just keep it to yourselves and try to be model citizens and try to have the light of God shine through you instead of, you know, telling people that you drink ayahuasca to be cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, so, it did get pretty trendy for a while there. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I do hear uh, here it did. You know, there's a lot of people that... Uh, that's not a bad thing. No, not necessarily. I mean, it opens up people to have a psychedelic experience they took very seriously. But... Um, you know, for us, it's something that uh, that we're really into, and and like I said, you know, we do more communal singing and dancing with UDV. They just do more meditation. I think most of the time they just go up and they drink their, and they call it uska, and we call it daimi, but they same way they make it like you know, in in church, you know, it's like they're blessed. Well, the fact that your group is not trying to actively recruit people, that's got to be the most solid evidence that it's not a cult. Yeah, and it's really difficult. I mean, like, you know, uh, having to, you know, create a container, especially we've been there for a while, creating a, a container for the rest of the people there that are having their experience. That's that's something that is very important and is very difficult to do. And you kind of have to be in the same space they are. So everyone's drinking dimey. So, uh, yeah, we, we have a practice called Fermeza, which is essentially like firmness and um, discipline whenever you're in the state, because you can feel things knocking at your door, you know, things that want to come into your mind or things you want to do, and you have to be able to, you know, shut that down and come back and say, like, you know, I'm here, I'm in the now, 
and this person needs a purge bucket. That's powerful, though. That's powerful <laughs> because if you can do that while you're falling down from the force, <laughs> as you yeah. would call it, then it's not going to be very hard at all to deal with you know, whatever dumbass situation comes up in regular life. That's, and that's really what it, what it is. is you're you training for the, life. Yeah. If you have the intestinal fortitude to, to get through these situations while you're in the force and during these works, it's, it's, yeah, it, it trains you for having that kind of mental fortitude in your real life. That's really why, you know, it's, it's training. Yeah. Think about it in the same way as like going to the gym or doing something difficult. That's what definitely works. Yeah. That's why it's the works. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to say about it, Tyler? we got to wrap this up. I got to go to bed. Sorry, everybody. I know this oh. is a great combo, but we'll talk to Tyler again. Yeah, no chance. It was, it was a pleasure talking to you this evening, man. So it was great to catch up with you just breezing through town and, you know, it's just awesome that you have this podcast and have this platform, man, and getting information out to the people. So, well, I just have cool friends like you, and whenever <laughs> I talk to them, I'm just like, damn, the world could benefit from hearing this. So I'm yeah. doing my best. Uh, well, I'm sure I could do better, but I'm I'm gonna. <laughs> yeah, no, man, you're do, you're doing a great job. So you're doing better than uh, 99% of us getting getting the word out. So appreciate it, brother. Well, you know, you also do the work in a way that I've been unable to do so far but um i don't know i guess i'm i'm i've got a lot of life left so there will be a chance for me to jump in the plant medicine neck yeah. deep and <laughs> go ahead and submerge the rest of the way anyway yeah anything else you wanted to say man, so. anything else you want to say to the people uh no man no all right. The Middle East. all right <laughs> cool all right love you tyler all right see you guys Type it out, write it down, ride around, we ride around it. Got a pair of Cartiers, I be seeing sounds with it. Digitize that down to Comic-Con. Turn everything on, you had everything wrong. Wired out the ass, baby, that's a thong song. That's computer love, girl, you had the song wrong. UFO sports, green people selling trees. That's a real alien, my nigga always had to weed. Teleport light beam in my dream, I was lit. Circuit board in my beam, Chris Lloyd in the whip. Back to the future, talking free band with karate chop like future on my free band shit. Shit, shit, shit. You Not the only ones with intelligence, yeah. I'm talking about our outer space relatives, yeah. The writing on the wall try to tell us this, yeah. Some of them even hiding in the government, yeah. Or maybe I'm just Lloyd from the gas pack, past that. Bam, not the cold looking abstract. My new girl half black mixed with Aztec. Don't be surprised if she asks where the cash at. I'm a dog, I'm a lab, I'm a master. Six trigram diagrams in the mansion. Come on my hand, got a map to the galaxy. It's light, but it's shadowy, the ultimate reality. They think it's all about a salary. Yeah. You think it's all about a salary. Yeah. I see the symbols and the signs on the wall all the time. And you gotta be kidding me. You got 
I was running on it, upload it in the morning. Yep. Send it as a zip, then yep. you gotta download it. Down. If you need a pick, gotta see it in person. If you need to get it fixed, shoulda got a better version. Real. Update. What a day, what a day, all year, all year, boy, boy, Plugins got me working with the sauce, with the sauce. TPS letters, lumber is your boss. Software, software, hard drive, hard drive, hardware, hardware, computerized, computerized. technique, synthesized. You, 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 you,